University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkland. Visit ubc-br.org or at ubcbr on Facebook for more information. The last time I preached, as I did the benediction, I had finished my water, left it behind, came up to do the benediction, and I got a tickle in my throat and just about could not benedict you out. So today, I have my water nearby. I'm almost recovered from my cold. Um, This one has lasted a little longer than I would like, but anyway, glad to be here this morning. In these past few weeks, we've been talking about the parables of Jesus. Sometimes these parables were long stories with multiple connections, like the story of the seeds planted in the various types of soil. Some of them were shorter, like the story of the wise and the foolish builder, only a few verses long. Some of them Jesus explained, and others he left for us to figure out his meaning. The parables often include mundane things that the hearers encountered every day, giving those things new meaning. Most often, Jesus was using parables to say hard things, to challenge the status quo. There are a group of parables in Matthew that begin with, the kingdom of heaven is like. As we've mentioned many times through these past few weeks, this is not a once and for all thing. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's not really talking so much about the heaven as we think of it, but rather the entire reign of God, including how God's spirit is being lived out right now. Now, I want to make a quick note. Much of Matthew uses the translation kingdom of heaven, but I'm going to use kingdom of God today so that we remember that we aren't talking just about heaven, but rather a more broad sense of God's kingdom now and later. Each of these parables are rich with meaning and challenge. So I'd like for us to explore two of these images today. We'll be looking at the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the the yeast or leaven. Reading from Matthew 13, starting in verse 31. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Here we have two very ordinary people with very commonplace things, a farmer and a woman making bread. Jesus didn't use mystical examples or things having to do with kings and princes to explain God's kingdom, but rather the very ordinary things of life. Here we don't have myths of goddesses and gods or talking animals, but rather a farmer and a woman baker. The kingdom of God is close at hand maybe even as close as the kitchen and the garden. So let's take a little time and dig into these images. The first thing I want us to notice in both these images is that it takes time. 
We have to wait to see the mustard seed grow into a full bush. We have to wait to see the bread rise and become a full loaf. Such is the kingdom of God. We don't see it come in right away, but we wait patiently and we see it grow little by little. The kingdom of God is in process. Do we have any bread makers here? Anybody? A few? Okay. Okay, I don't do a lot of bread baking, especially with yeast, but one of my favorite memories in Slovakia was making Easter bread with my friend and teacher, Maria. Each Easter, she and I would gather together to make this special bread. It didn't take a lot of the rising agent to make the the bread beautiful and full, but it did take a little time to knead the dough and then to let it rise. We had to wait a while during the baking process, so we would start early in the evening, and we'd knead, and then we'd let it rise, and we'd just sit around and chat, enjoying each other's company. Now, like I said, I'm not much of a bread maker, and to be honest, neither was she. She was a teacher. So one year, we got a hold of a faulty recipe, or maybe we just read the recipe wrong, and we accidentally added double the amount of milk to the dough. Same amount of flour, double the amount of milk. And we just added in, and we were kneading. Now, Slovaks don't use a mixer kneader. They do it with their hands. So I'm thinking, this is a little wet, you know, a lot wet, but maybe I remember wrong. We're kneading, and we're kneading. I'm not exactly sure how long we needed because we were talking and kneading and not really paying attention, but it was at least two hours before that dough came to the consistency that was even close enough for us to let it rise. My hands the next day, I woke up and I thought, what is wrong with my hands? They were so sore from kneading and kneading and kneading. But we were patient, and in the end, that year the bread actually turned out fine. It was good. Now, it definitely took longer than the other years when we added the appropriate amount of ingredients. Throughout the New Testament, the people of God are eagerly waiting. They're expecting. Sometimes they got a little impatient too. They thought the kingdom of God should come tomorrow or quickly, but Jesus continued to remind them to wait and see ever so slowly, ever so carefully. And notice the people involved in these two activities, the baker and the farmer, they didn't have to do a whole lot to make it grow. The processes were set into place. Once the leaven was added to the bread, they did have some kneading. The growth of the plants didn't require that they toil over its development. They had to tend to it. But God was doing the work of the growth. We do the waiting and the watching, a little kneading and tending. Maybe you have something that you've been waiting for. Maybe it's growing ever so slowly and you're feeling tired of waiting, I encourage you to keep watching and waiting and tending and needing. In a spiritual sense, we want the world to be right. We want to see the victory of Easter lived out now. We are living in what people call the almost not yet. But God's kingdom is growing, and it takes time for this growth. The kingdom of God is growing when a retiree goes to Highland Elementary to read with her reading friend. 
The kingdom of God is growing when we provide a refugee a ride to her job. The kingdom of God is growing when we stop to help someone in the store that looks a little different from ourselves. The kingdom of God is growing when the youth of our church laugh and play and build community. The kingdom of God is growing when we, honor, we are honest about our faith and our faith journeys, even when those journeys include doubt. The kingdom of God is growing when our search committee toils over church descriptions and pastor resumes. The kingdom of God is growing ever so slowly. Good things are coming, but we have to be patient. We also have to look for this growth in unexpected places. There is hope, and there is promise of good things to come. Tom Wright said it this way, We wait, not like people in a dark room wondering if anyone will ever come with a lighted candle, but like people in the early morning who know that the sun has arisen and are now waiting for the full brightness of midday. It's a waiting with hope, with anticipation, knowing that God is already working. Before I had done any research on this text, I was convinced that my point would be something like this. With something so very small, God's kingdom can take over the world. It's true. The kingdom of God is like the smallest of all seeds that become a huge bush or just a tiny bit of yeast that makes the bread go big and delicious. So that lesson from this parable is a good one. It's one worth honoring and talking about. And we could end there and have some things to chew on, some things to think about. And a very short sermon and a very early lunch. However, I will go on. There's a little problem with this parable and with these images. These are not positive images that Jesus is using in these parables. The mustard bush, Matthew has kind of softened it up by calling it a tree, is an invasive plant that most farmers and gardeners would not want on their field or in their garden. It might be like how you feel about dandelions or perhaps kudzu. What if I came to you and said, the kingdom of God is like kudzu? The kingdom of God is like dandelions, a beautiful flower. When we lived in Slovakia, I started looking at dandelions a little differently. Rather than treat them like the weed that is to be controlled, Slovaks let them grow, and it was actually quite beautiful. The grassy spaces would be so lovely and yellow. This was one of our first signs of spring after a long winter. And the children during recess time would go out and make crowns and jewelry from their stems and their blooms. But the people that Jesus was speaking to would have heard the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And they would have been a bit confused or maybe even a little angry or a little frustrated. Like many of his parables, Jesus left them with more questions than answered and not a few furrowed brows. If a farmer has a bag of seeds and even one little mustard seed gets hidden in that bag, they are going to have a large unwanted bush in the middle of the field before long. And leaven would be something that a woman would want to clean from her home before Passover. 
She'd be trying to keep it from getting into her dough. So when she saw the beautifully and hopefully flat bread she was trying to make begin to grow, this would not be a positive image. It would not be a positive thing. So why would Jesus use these comparisons? It seems odd, doesn't it? God's kingdom is invasive and unclean. God's movement in the world, God's kingdom itself is not what we expect. In story after story in the Bible, Jesus was eating with, loving on, touching, visiting in the homes of socially unclean people. And later, Paul would talk about the problems with the clean Jews and the unclean Gentiles. It was an issue in the early church. Now we, as the Big C Church, often want to clean up Jesus' message. Back then, Jesus' message ran in opposition to Rome. In our modern American world, we don't run opposite the mainstream very often. In fact, we often look to the government to hold up our Christian middle-class morality. But in their day, Jesus was overturning the rules of clean and unclean. He was stepping on the toes of mainstream society as well as mainstream Judaism. Jesus was eating with the marginalized. He was talking to women. He was healing on the Sabbath. As it turns out, the kingdom of God can be quite invasive and unpredictable. What would it look like if we allowed ourselves to hear the unpredictable voice of the Spirit. She might challenge you to do something you'd never expect. She might call you to love someone you didn't plan to love. She might have you doing some crazy things outside of your comfort zone. But these are the places where we see the kingdom growing from that which was hidden or unexpected. The parables of Jesus were not meant to be a pat on the back to those listening or to us reading. They were meant to stir people, to get them thinking. They were often ominous and maybe even shocking. One commentary I read said that parables are not told to reinforce the status quo like so many traditional proverbs were. Rather, they alert people to the new and disturbing thing God is doing in their midst which involves a reversal of expectations, values, social standing, and roles in society. Now, I caution you not to sit back and hear these things and think, oh yeah, so-and-so really needs to hear this. I hope they're here listening. Or maybe I'll send them this sermon later and they can hear it. I challenge you to think about your own lives and your own faith. What are ways that your expectations Values or roles in society need to be shaken up a little. How might you hear the voice of the Spirit challenging you today? Right there, mixed among the seeds we mean to plant is the tricky little seed that God is planting. And all of a sudden, the voice of God invades our orderly sense of things. I just finished reading the book, Everything Sad is Untrue, by uh, Daniel Nagiri. I highly recommend it. Nagiri tells his own story of being a refugee here in the United States. He and his mother and sister had to flee Iran when his mother became a Christian. 
There are so many interesting things about this story, but one of the things that I was struck by is how much their family had to sacrifice because the kingdom of God was growing in their lives. The nice, neat boundaries that we often put on our faith here in the States were not possible for this mother once she confessed Christ. The only way they could continue to be safe was to become refugees and flee their country. But once the Spirit, she says this, once the Spirit of God became part of her life, she could not deny it. We have our certainties and our cultivated faith. And then perhaps, and hopefully, the voice of God invades that orderly sense of things with its uneven lines and its challenges to love those that we'd rather keep at arm's length. Like I mentioned earlier, we don't work to make the seed grow or the leaven to make the bread grow. It just does. This isn't something that happens in our power. I want us to look at the other time in the gospel that Jesus uses the image of the mustard seed. In Matthew 17, 20, he says, If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, the grammar in this passage in the Greek, it can be like, if only you had this kind of faith. Or it could also be more like, since you have faith the size of a mustard seed. I appreciate the reading of the second. It's not that we are inadequate if we only had faith, but because we have this faith, with even just the littlest bit of faith, just the littlest seed or the smallest amount of leaven that we already have, just look what God can do. I wonder if those hearing the words of Jesus would have imagined how the body of Christ would look like today. Many scholars believe that the birds that came to roost in the parable of the mustard seed that we read at the beginning are the Gentiles. Who would have imagined? I doubt those Jews. Perhaps there are people or people groups that we can't imagine being part of the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is breaking out in crazy ways, in unpredictable and invasive ways. How can we be a part of that kind of faith community? One of the commentaries I read said it this way, If God can use mustard seed and corrupt leaven to grow the kingdom, imagine what God can do with you. Amen? What does this little bit of faith that we already possess look like? Recently, I read a post by Nadia Boltz-Weber. Some of you may be familiar with her. Reflecting on the faith we already have that is small as a mustard seed, she said this, if you dream about a good future for your children, that's a form of faith. If you are moved by the faith of your ancestor, that also counts. If you have doubts, that's a form of faith because at least you're still engaged in the question. Do you hold those you love in your heart when they're suffering? Faith. Do you notice the changing blue of the Colorado sky? I'll say Louisiana sky. Totally counts. Do you see the inherent dignity of other human beings? Also, faith. Have you asked someone to pray for you because you just can't pray right now? 
faith? Is there a feeling of gratitude for anything at all in your life? I mean, at all? That's a kind of faith. Do you ever complain to God or tell God off? In the Bible, that's a lament. And you know what? It's a form of faith. Thanks, Nadia, for those words. So here we are, trying to wait patiently, to see your tricky little kingdom invade all the places we might not want to invade, God. We have this tiny little bit of faith that we want to see grow and infuse the world. Here we are, God, a small little church in the whole scheme of things. We are waiting for you to send the next person that will lead us well and challenge us often, even while we celebrate the good that is already happening today in this place. We take our tiny little bit of faith and know that you will grow it, God. We also acknowledge that the Spirit just might challenge us to do some things that we didn't expect. Here we are, God. Grow in us and through us. Grow in and through our church today. May your kingdom grow just, just a tiny little bit in this place, in our lives, in our hearts. Amen. This morning, our time of response may be a little different for you may challenge you a little bit, or you may find it to be really fun. I want you to get your bulletins out, and there's some space to write. We're going to use the prompt, the kingdom of God is like. And I want you to think about what is a modern way of describing the kingdom of God? What kind of implications does that image have? How do you think it connects Maybe you have something from science because you're a scientist that feels like the kingdom of God is like. Maybe you're an artist and you pick that up. Whatever, whatever your lane is, what's an image to you of the kingdom of God is, right, is like? If you can't think of anything right away, jot some ideas and think about it this week. The kingdom of God is like.